chapter 5, verse number 9, here in just one moment. But it is, uh, this week is Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be grateful for. All right, let me say that again. It is Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be grateful for. All right, there we go, finally, amen. We do, if nothing else, just the awesome love that God has for us. That's that, that, that in and of itself, how awesome that is. But we have so much to be thankful for. Typically, I preach uh, more of like a Thanksgiving message or sermon, but we are in this series, and so we're going to continue on with this series because we're kind of getting ready for the Christmas season just around the corner. But I will say this, that thankfulness is just doesn't sell very good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, have you noticed, like, uh, you know, as far as just the idea of commercialism, the way things are, you almost forget about Thanksgiving. It just kind of gets brushed over. Am I right? You have Halloween. That sells. Lots of candy, costumes, you know, all of that. You don't really hear much about Thanksgiving because right after Halloween, everybody's already getting ready for Christmas. Um, and, you know, th- for some reason, Thanksgiving, other than just lots of food, amen, you know, uh, it kind of gets uh, overlooked. But as uh, God's people, we should be a grateful people. We should be a thankful people because truly God is good to us. But we're going to be in Matthew 5, verse 9. Uh, so let's look at what the scripture says. Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. I'd like to jump right in just for the sake of time. Uh, that way we can get you out at a decent time. And I'm just going to be honest, selfishly, for some reason, I don't know why, I am hungry this morning. <laughs> I don't know. I think because we're in full swing, it's wrestling season and practice and workouts. And I try to work out with the guys. And for some reason, I am just hungry all the time. Um, and so to be completely honest, I'm hungry. How many else? Who else is hungry? Should we just pray and go eat? Uh, we don't have potluck today. That'll be, uh, that's coming up soon. So, uh, but I'm just hungry. And, and as my dad would always say, he said, let's get out of church so we can beat all the selfish people to the front of the line, you know? So anyway, so let's jump right in. We'll do our best to keep it br- brief this morning. He says in verse 9, listen to these words. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called, notice this, they will be called the sons of of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Lord, we pray you'd bless your word this morning. We are so thankful for who you are and how you work in our lives. We're so thankful for all the blessings. Lord, as this week we take time aside to give thanks. And as we just sang, Lord, we give thanks for that love that you have for us. You loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. And so we give thanks. Forgive us for where we are not appreciative, where we are not as thankful as we should be, for where we take for granted all of your blessings. God, you have been so good to me. Lord, you have been so good to us. And we just want to say thank you. Father, I pray that you bless your word. Lord, I pray that we would desire to be true, authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And to be followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus said that we need to be peacemakers. Help us to understand what it is that Jesus is saying here and what that looks like for each one of us. And so, Lord, I pray you bless your word. Speak, Lord, to us today. Change us. 
Lord, help us to be the peacemakers that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus said this, blessed or happy are the peacemakers. And then he makes a statement, this promise, they will be called the sons of God. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But each week we said that, in essence, Jesus, in this casual, just brief statement that he makes, that each one of them has a deeper meaning. And really what we see here is Jesus, I believe, is giving us the key to being a good testimony of Christ, to be a good witness of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? What does it look like? Now, what I want you to understand is this, is that you have to, first of all, think about the historical context of when Jesus is writing this. Jesus gathered a great multitude of people, and they're all sitting there, and, and Jesus is going to preach this sermon. And this sermon, man, this is, this is not what they were probably expecting. Because you'll notice a number of times when Jesus gathers the multitudes, you'll have to study this in the Gospels, but what you'll find is many people, after he began to perform miracles and to do mighty deeds and mighty works, they even said, hey, this is the guy. This is him. Now understand, they began to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but understand their interpretation of who the Messiah was going to be was completely different than what God intended the Messiah to be. Do you understand that the, the, the nation of Israel and the Jewish people and really much of the known world, they were oppressed. They were under Roman rule. How much of you know a little bit about Rome and the power of Rome and the Roman rule? And they, listen to me, I mean, their lives were difficult. Rome, and we have to understand that the culture, when Jesus gets up and he says some of these things, he says to them, for example, later... Later in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, I say to you, if, if they tell you to go a mile, I tell you to go what? Anyone know, right? Two. A lot of people don't even know what that meant or what that means. It meant this, that a Roman soldier or a Roman citizen, someone who was Roman, could pretty much do whatever they wanted and treat anyone however they wanted. And a Roman soldier could walk up to just any old person and say, hey, Carry this, carry this load for me. Carry this burden. And they would demand it of them, and they would have to do it. And if not, they could, they could be whipped, they could be beaten, and even killed. Because they treated everyone basically lesser than them. They were superior. And so you have to understand when Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, Hey, I want you to be peacemakers. This is going to be hard. This is not a well-received message. But he said, if you're a peacemaker... They will know that you are what? The sons or the children of God. It's a difficult time that these people lived. To put it frankly, they hated Rome. In fact, as Jesus began to gather the multitudes, perform miracles, they said, he's the guy. And when they meant he's the guy, it meant this. He's the guy that's going to help us raise up an army and wipe out Rome. And will life will be good again. But understand, Jesus came for a greater reason, a greater cause. Amen? And that was to give us our spiritual freedom and to set us free from not just bondage here on earth, but eternal separation from God. To give us eternal life and to set us free from the bondage of sin. Amen? He had a greater reason. But what does he mean by what it, to be a peacemaker? Let me just very quickly tell you what it is not. 
to be a peacemaker, what it is not. It is not that we are to be able to have some power or ability to bring peace with God for others, other people. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Meaning, to put it very bluntly, meaning this, that Christ is the only peacemaker between God and men. Let me illustrate it like this. Sometimes people will call the church or call a church or call a pastor, and they will come, and they'll, they'll, even after someone's died, and they have this idea that somehow if I pray over them, that that's going to get them into heaven. Can I tell you something? I wish I had an ability and power, but I do not, okay? I do not. Some will say, well, you need to, you know, like give a blessing or this, you know, read these, uh, a prayer and say a prayer of last rites and, and somehow get them in heaven. Can I tell you something? There's no prayer that I could pray to basically get someone into heaven. Are you with me this morning? And I want to share a passage of scripture because this is what the Bible says. It's not what I'm saying. But the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, a few verses, verses 3 through 5, this is important. We have to understand this. But this is what, what Paul says to Timothy. He says, this is good and it pleases God our Savior. Now what does God want? God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's desire. God wants all people to be saved. Amen. And to know that, that God loves them and that Jesus Christ came and died for them. And he says, for there is one God... And one mediator between God and mankind. You see that? There's one God, we understand that, and there's one mediator between God and mankind. Who is it? The man who? Christ Jesus. Who brings us peace with God? No man can do that. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. Somebody say amen there. So let's not misinterpret this, that, that somehow we as Human agents, if you will, here on earth have the ability to, to be the mediator and to get people to God. Now, we can point people to the one, Jesus Christ. Amen? We can be the one to point them to Christ. But no man can make peace with God. Only Christ can bring that peace. Only Christ can, can be that mediator, that go-between. Let me emphasize it like this. I am not a priest. Now, I can pray for you, I can pray with you, but the Bible makes it clear that Jesus Christ, he is the anointed one, he is our high priest, and all of us, by the grace of God, have access to God through who? Jesus Christ, our high priest. So I want to emphasize this, I am not your priest. I am not one who can bring, if you will, you to be able to have peace with God. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, then, Pastor Joe, what do we need you for? That's a good question. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, what do we need you for? You know, like, you know, man, wait a second here, you know. Now, he does call pastors and teachers, and he calls us to help equip the believers to, to walk with God and to do the work in the ministry. That's in Ephesians. That's another sermon. So, yes, you do need me, okay? All right. I, I'm feeling a little like, oh, no. I just got myself fired, you know, two months in. But oftentimes what we do is we place, listen to me carefully, we place spiritual leaders, we place people on a pedestal or in a position that God has never placed us. Are you with me? And what happens is we begin to worship men more than we worship Christ and more than we worship God. This is scary. 
It is scary. It is, it is, it is the nature of man to put people on a, in a position and then they get the honor, they get the glory, and not God. May I say this? I never want to do anything that takes away from the honor and glory that only belongs to God himself. My calling is to point people to Jesus Christ, to make God look good because he is good. Amen? It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about him. Somebody say amen. All right? But it's scary because many times our culture, our society does desire, because we can see man, it is our desire, it's our nature to put people in a place that only God belongs. There's one mediator between God and men. Say it with me. Who? The man who? Say it. Christ Jesus. It's Jesus. It's about Jesus. So what is a peacemaker? What does this mean? It literally means to be peaceable, to be one who helps repair repair breaches, to strive to make peace with others. Now remember, again, the culture that Jesus is writing is is a Roman culture. It's hostile. It's, It's tough. But he says, do all that you can to make peace. And he says, in so doing, if you are a peacemaker, you're going to be called the sons of God. We're going to look at it very practically, but look with me in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, we'll read this, verses 17 through 21. Notice, it's the book of Romans. Who's in control? Who's in power? Where is Paul writing this? He's writing this to the Roman believers. Notice what he says. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, listen to these words, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's, this is a challenge. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy, here you go, look at this. If your enemy's hungry, do what? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do you see what Paul's saying again to these believers? Listen to me, they're living in tough times. It's difficult. And it wasn't going to be easy. And you want to know something? We live in difficult times. Am I right? I mean, it's not always easy to keep peace. It's not all. And he says, with everything in your being... To be a follower of Jesus Christ is to try to be at peace. He says, with everything that you have, with all that you are, with all that you're being, you need to strive, he says, to get along and to to love one another. He says, by this, remember what Jesus said, by this, all all men will know that you are my disciples, that you are my followers, if you do what? If you have love one toward another. One way that we demonstrate love towards one another is to make peace, to be willing to do whatever it takes to be at peace with one another. You know how sad it is, but many a times God's people are not at peace. And what a terrible testimony. What a terrible example when God's people, when Christian families, followers of Jesus Christ, many times can't even get along. And what it does is people say, see, look, they're supposed to be followers of Christ, 
but they can't even get along. Now, is that, am, I, am I right? Does this not make sense? Correct? He says, you have to be a peacemaker. He says, with everything within you, everything within your being, with all that you have, strive to be at peace. Strive to make peace with one another. Be a peacemaker. You know, oftentimes pride hinders making peace. <laughs> well, I'm right. I'm right. And I'm right about this. And they're wrong. Come on now. I'm right. Listen, I'm right. My wife is always wrong, but I'm right. I'm brave. My wife's at home with our little guy. He's not feeling well. I'm brave. I can do it now. I wouldn't say that if she was here. Come on. <laughs> she's probably, is she online? She's probably watching right now. She's like, oh. No, seriously, though. Years ago, when we first got married, we came up with this, this arrangement, how it's going to work. And it was my wife's idea. She said, listen, she says, we, we want to keep peace. We want the marriage to work. And so this was her idea, and it was, it's worked so far. She said, all the everyday, just, you know, not important decisions, she said, I'm going to make. And then she said, you make all the really big decisions. We've been married 25 years. There has not been one big decision yet. I just don't get it. And so it's been peaceful, you know, like... And I know I'm joking, but here's the thing. You know, we can just read these scriptures and talk about this, but can I say this? In our homes, and our families, to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to find ways to make peace, to be a peacemaker, that our marriages would be healthy, that our homes would be healthy, and that within our families and our family relationships that we get along. And if we're not getting along, can I just be blind here? Figure it out. Pray about it. Ask God to help you. How can we make peace? Because we are called by God to be a peacemaker. Do you know what they were? They were called Christians, right? It means they were like Christ. Before that, they were termed, basically, they were called the people of the way. You ever hear of that? The way. Jesus Christ, by the way, is the way. Amen? And the truth and the life. But what it meant was this, is they were originally called the people of the way. And what that meant was this, is that they lived the way Jesus lived. They talked the way Jesus talked. They treated people the way people Jesus treated people. They were kind to the way Jesus was kind to people. They were peacemakers the way that Jesus was a peacemaker. Somebody bear witness this morning. To be a follower of Jesus Christ is more than just to say, well, I love God or I love Jesus and I'm a Christian. That term has become so used so loosely. It was later that they were called Christians because literally it meant this, the people of the way are like Christ, they're little Christ. So they're called Christians, they're like Christ. To be like Christ, can I just say this very clearly, means that we should be peacemakers. To make peace. To have the Holy Spirit within us to give us the ability to sometimes take one for the team. <laughs> Many a times our pride says, I'm right. And they're wrong. 
But the spiritual thing is to do right. Do you know you can be right about something, but still be wrong in how you're being right? Does that make sense? You can be right, but you can still be wrong in how you're being right. Let's look at a couple other passages very quickly. Ephesians 4.3, listen to what he says here. Once again, Paul tells, here's a different church, by the way, the church of Ephesus. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit. Notice this, through the bond of peace. You know what word we would use in the original language? There's smarter guys in here than me. Pastor Richard, he knows. But it literally means glue. It's where we get the term super glue. You know what the super glue, he says, you know what the super glue of unity is? Peace. It, goes, it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? One of the manifestations, we don't have time to look at it, Galatians 5 and 6, when you read through those chapters, what is one of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit is what? To be at peace. Peace. He says here that the super glue, uh, the super glue literally of peace, peace is that super glue. It's that bond. Obviously, the power of the Holy Spirit brings peace. But he says make unity of the Spirit through the bond or the super glue of peace. Have you ever, have you ever gotten super glue on your hands? I have. And you're like, oh, my goodness, like this. Like you're like, do it, and all of a sudden, there it is. And you're like, you're like, oh, man, and it's just stuck there. How many of you have ever used, like, Gorilla Tape or Gorilla Glue? or gr- That stuff is unbelievable. That is amazing stuff. I mean, and it just sticks. He says, that's, he says, that's the bond of peace. It's the bond of peace. It brings unity. It brings unity. Look at James. I just want you to see that this is all through Scripture, and I'm only highlighting just a few in James 3. 17 through 18. I don't know. Do we have it up there? I'll read it. Let me read it. Let me go back to James quick. James 3. If someone has it, read it. 17 through 18. I already know there'll be no volunteers. It's going to be me. Did I write down the wrong verse? All right. James chapter 3. Verse 17, listen to this. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. He says wisdom that comes from heaven is is, is peace. We don't have time, but if you were to read earlier... It talks about that there are things that are not from heaven, that come from down there, you know, that are demonic and evil. He says, but the things, of, the things that come from heaven, heavenly things, one of them is this, peace-loving. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. I'll never forget this. I was in Bible, when I was back in Bible college, they would go to nursing homes. And that's where you go to learn how to teach and learn how to preach. It's kind of a good place because most of them can't hear anyway. I'm not trying to be mean. And then someone would be like, that was a great sermon, you know? And it was like, you knew they didn't hear it. And it made you just feel so good about yourself. 
And all you could hear when you walk in is all their little hearing aids. And then they'd all start like reacting off of one another. It's just like, (sighs) am I right? I mean, you go to those nursing homes, you know, and so they would load us up in vans and they would load us up and you're like, you're going to go to nursing homes. You're going to preach and you're going to love these people and you'll you'll will them in. And I'll never forget the first time. They're like, they're like, Joe, you're going to preach. You're going to preach this nurse home. And I, and I was like, man, I was nervous. And one of the guys, like junior or senior, is like, don't worry. They can't hear anyway, and they won't remember. And it's going to be fine. You know, but it was like, I was kind of new to this. I had only preached one other sermon, and that was the time that I ate the donut and left chocolate all over my face. And that wasn't good. So I was like, here we go. And I was nervous. And I was praying and all this stuff. And we get to a nursing home, and they're starting to push people out. And I'll never forget, there's this one lady, boy, she was ornery. And they pushed this lady, and I, now I know why. I mean, as far as why, they, they made her go to the nursing home service. They made her go only because the workers just wanted like an hour of peace away from her. And you could hear her coming down the halls, and they're pushing this lady. And I'm just going to tell you straight up, one of the meanest, meanest people I've ever seen in my life. And they pushed her in, and this was, I'm not making this up. You cannot make this up. They put her right in front, right there. And so they had a few songs, and you could tell she did not want to be there. And uh, they even locked her wheelchair. Now, here was the problem. They only locked one of the wheels on the wheelchair. And so I get up, and I'm like, hello. You know, I'm nervous. And my name is Joe, and, and I want to open the Bible, and I'd like to just teach the Word of God for a little bit. And all of a sudden, this lady just starts going crazy. We don't want you And she tries to get away. But the problem is one of the wheels is locked. And if you know what happens when one wheel is locked and they start pushing, she starts going in circles. And she's going in circles and she's yelling, we don't want you here. And she's screaming and she's using expletives. She's using language. And she's like, leave. We don't want you here. And she's screaming at me and she's cursing at me. And I'm just like, what do you do? As she's just spinning in circles. And I finally looked at her and I said, ma'am. I said, you may not want us here, but God wanted us here. And I just, instead of, I, I'll be honest, deep down, I was like, I was upset at first. But then I just, I don't remember everything I said, but I said, we love you. God loves you. God cares about you. And we're here to let you know that somebody, ha- that you're not forgotten, that people actually still care. She kind of calmed down a little bit. One of the nurses took her chair and led her away. The next month, we were supposed to go back. I'll be honest. I was terrified to go back. I didn't go. I did not go. You know who was there in the front row on her own free will? The group of people that had the nerve to go back. They said that she was there. She was kind. She was polite. I'm not making this up. This is the gospel truth. And that they, she said, where's the guy who spoke? I wanted to hear him speak again. And I'm like, well, that happens everywhere I go. You know, just saying. (laughs) Why'd you laugh so hard? (laughs) The people that worked there, it was a month later, because it was a rotation, said, her complete countenance and spirit and everything changed. 
But what we did find out is this. You know what? She had not seen family or friends or relatives. They basically put her there and left her there and walked away from her and wanted nothing to do with her. And I could see why she was angry and mad and upset. And she was forced to go to this service that she didn't want to go to. And said, I don't want to be here and I don't want you here. We don't want you here. But you know what she heard? Someone loves you. Someone cares about you. God loves you. That's why we're here. And it was something happened in her heart. That had nothing to do with me. But what I'm saying is this, is that God has called us to be peacemakers. We could have gotten angry and upset. And in my flesh, I could have said some hurtful things. But God calls us to be peacemakers. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12. Do we have that one? One last one. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Listen to what he says. Again, I just want you to see it's all through Scripture. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. To be at peace with everyone. To make an effort to make peace. To try hard. You say, well, I'm trying hard. (laughs) Then try harder. What is the result of being a peacemaker? This is what he says. You'll be called the sons of God. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good thing. God is called the God of peace. One of the manifestations of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. We're getting ready to celebrate the birth of our Savior, but the gospel says that he was called the Prince of Peace. He says, if you strive and do everything in your power through the power of the Holy Spirit to make peace with one another and to live peacefully, he says, you're going to be called the sons of God because it's different than how the world lives. Am I right? It's not how the world lives. He said, you'll be accused of being a child of God. He says, blessed, happy are those who are peacemakers, for they will be called the sons and daughters or the children of God. I don't know about you, but that's pretty important. That means that just always having my way isn't always the most important thing. That means that there's times where you may have to do whatever it takes to make peace. I'm talking about in your marriage, talking about at home, talking about with our kids, with our families. I'm talking about in our just everyday relationships. Are you with me this morning? That we find ways to be at peace with one another. How sad it is. You know, many churches are wrecked and ruined. And the testimony of Christ is wrecked and ruined because people within the church can't even get along. And they're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ, but they are enemies. How sad that is. Well, Pastor Joe, you just don't understand it. It's terrible. The toilet paper is going under the roll, over the top of the roll. It's just not right. The color of the paint. Oh, these are huge issues. Come on now. (laughs) 
These are huge issues. Do you know that, guys, I've been around this a long time in churches. The things that people fight over in, in, in light of eternity absolutely mean absolutely nothing. The things that people get upset at. I'm not saying here. I've only been here two months. It's been pretty good so far. Amen. But I'm just telling you that's, amen, it is true. But the things that people get upset about. Guys, I've been doing this for 22 years. And my father was a pastor. So I did it all the years with him. And the things that people fought about and argued about. Can I tell you something? They never said, we're going to fight because we need to do more for missions. Never. We want to see, we want to see the church grow. And so we're going to argue over that. People are dying without Jesus Christ. That's what we're upset about. Oh no, it was always the silliest things. A picture got moved or something silly like that. I'm being serious. I'm being totally serious. Come on now. Why is it so quiet here? What did I get myself into at Red Hills? No. But the things that people argue and fight about, can I say this? Let's make it real personal, practical, and we're about done. I'm finished. But do you remember that fight you were in about a year ago, you and your spouse? Or you and your kids probably don't even remember. But at the time, it was this big, huge thing, right? So many times, so many times, there are things that mean really. In, in light of eternity, when it's all said and done, there are usually things that are not that big of a deal, Right? It's amazing. It's amazing that the Holy Spirit can give us the ability to make peace with one another, but oftentimes we choose not to. He says, happy. Can I tell you this? When you're living at peace, it's good. Amen? You know, I'll be honest. Sometimes I pick a fight with my wife so that we can make up. (laughs) Because making up is really good, right? Making up leads to making out. Amen. (laughs) When you're at peace, you're happy. Amen. And there's blessing. And God said, blessed, happy are the peacemakers. They will be called, say it with me, what? The children of God. Isn't that what we desire? Don't we want to be called the children of God? That, what he's saying is this. That's right there a follower of Jesus Christ. Because a follower of Jesus Christ will do whatever it takes to make peace, to be at peace with one another. And if we do that, God will use us. Amen? He will use us. Because people say, you want to know something? They're people of the way. They are true Christ followers. Because they have love one toward another. And one of the ways we demonstrate love towards one another is what? Making peace. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's have a word of prayer this morning.